I'm Tafira Jemian. And I'm Yunus Hong. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is a book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah! This week, we're starting something new in our lineup. It's something we've talked about doing for a long time. We're going to start having a land acknowledgement at the beginning of each of our episodes um, because we do record on unceded territory in Canada. Uh, We're starting this week. It was Canada Day. It's uh, July 4th tomorrow as we record and felt like this is a good time to start acknowledging um, that how we live and what we build uh, is dependent on the erasure of cultures who have the original right to this land. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the Indigenous communities of that area. And this is a great week to do that since it's Colonialism (laughs) Celebration Week. Um, Another bit of housekeeping, you might have noticed that there is a new name in our intro. Uh, We're joined now by Eunice Hong. Eunice is going to be with us at least for the summer. She is a children's librarian in the Boston area. She also went to high school with me and we read a lot of YA books and talked about YA books a lot. And I honestly think that Eunice had not a small amount to do with putting me on the path towards this podcast. Uh, So Eunice, thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited to do this. (laughs) Now, if you've been listening for a while, you'll remember that Eunice did guest with us when we talked about The Bells by Danielle Clayton. Today, we're going to be talking about a book that will be released in August. So we were generously given the ARC advanced reading copy of Now That I've Found You by Christina Forrest. We read Christina's first book, I Want to Be Where You Are, in February and loved it. Absolutely loved it. (laughs) And found out she had a release coming up and I messaged her on, or I, I, I DM'd her on Twitter and she said, contact my publicist about the ARC. So I went to her website and I filled out the contact form and got a very gracious email back, still from Christina, saying, thank you for your interest. Please contact my publicist. So then the third time I got it right. Uh, yeah. So Eunice, how how did you feel about this one? I absolutely loved it. And right now, I think it's like the perfect time to read this book. I feel like when summer rolls around, you always need to like read a YA rom-com and that's how I've like always felt and like last year it was um Christina Forrest's book uh, her debut book um and this year she's like kind of on schedule released another summer summary YA rom-com and it's absolutely brilliant 
Yeah, I am really excited that we got to get this. This is one of the perks of having like book media is that we can get books ahead of schedule sometimes. And it does feel really appropriate to read this at the beginning of the summer. It definitely is a summer read. Um, And noticing the publishing schedule makes me really hopeful that she's going to pull a Sarah Dessen and just release another one for us every year. Yeah, absolutely. I like saw that um, and immediately got Sarah Dessen vibes, just both one and this one. Um, Like, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little more, but especially the way that, um, oh man, I'm blanking on the character's name from the previous book. Chloe? Um, Chloe, right. Chloe and Eli, Mm -hmm. how they make kind of a cameo appearance, which I absolutely was like, when I got to that page and I was like I thought that was really special and it was great I was really excited about that I I noticed sort of towards the beginning they talk about Eli uh, having made the band logo right and I was like oh that's a nice little callback that's a nice little nod yeah and then they make an appearance yeah it's amazing (laughs) I feel like we need to be careful about spoilers because this book isn't going to be released for two months um yep Mm-hmm. It's going to be released August 25th, but that's like a small one. She's linking worlds. She's really, I, I mean, this really feels like the beginning of a YA dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when authors do that. Um, just have like nods, little small nods to like their past books. Yeah. Let's talk about their, yeah, Evie and Milo's relationship. Like how it starts and then kind of like how it progresses, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's, like, my favorite thing about a YA rom-com. It's just, like, that the, like, initial meet-cute and also just, like, kind of, like, each other's, like, thoughts about each other throughout the book and how that, like, changes and progresses. Yeah. For sure. I think Forrest is... How oh, we can call her Christina, right? I think we can call her Christina. Yeah. Yeah, I, totally. <laughs> I, I think she is really establishing herself as a master of the like friction to love timeline Mm -hmm. she did it beautifully and i want to be where you are she's so good at unfolding a story uh and i would Mm -hmm. say the relationship in this one just because it is a new relationship like in i want to be where you are it's the people who have known each other forever kind of figuring out the dynamics of their relationship and in this one we get to see how she writes uh a relationship of people getting to know each other for the first time. Um, but she's very good at writing all those little kind of, will they or won't they? Do they hate each other? Do they like each other? We're having a lot of big feelings and don't know exactly what they are moments. Um, and she's done that absolutely in this book. And the thing that I find really fun in this book is that 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 relationship between Evie and Milo is paralleled by Evie's grandmother's relationship with her on again, off again, beau. And it's it's very fun to have that parallel, that generational parallel. Yeah. Um, The thing I noticed is like she did this in her uh, her first book. It's just like that little bit of like a mystery of like the like background story that's kind of going ongoing and you're like reading the whole book to figure that out and that that like revelation towards the end it just like really matched very well with the progression of their relationship and just of like 
are you fall is like Evie going to follow in her grandmother's footsteps? Is she like kind of making a way of her own? Like how much of that is going to mirror that relationship? And I thought that was really well done as well. Yeah, she does add. I, I'm glad that you said like mystery. Like she adds an element of mystery to these books, and that's I think one of the things that kind of keeps you going. You just you really want to find out more, and it makes it more exciting than just than just a love story. There's also this kind right. of unsaid thing and you want to get to the saying. I also really think that um, Evie's relationship with herself grows throughout the book um, as the like her relationship with Milo unfolds which I think is like what makes that so complex Um, I think in the beginning right she you I feel like I as a reader was like I see where she, where Christina's going with this she's like the like almost kind of like the um socialite who's like really just obsessed with her image um really obsessed with like what other people are saying about her um and then um you know that like you want her to kind of change that throughout reading the book and you know that's kind of like where this story progression is going and even like when um like they have this like evie and milo have this conversation where he's like i thought you were really stuck up and when i like first kind of saw you at they they meet or they don't really meet but he um he's in a band and they see her um they perform for her one of her i think it was grandmother's christmas party Something Am like I remembering that. that correctly? Something like that. Some kind of party. Um, yeah. yeah, some kind of party. And then Evie is there, and I'm assuming she's just like kind of on her phone like the whole time, and like doesn't really have um, time for um, Milo and his bandmates. And he brings that up, and um, like you can see that like she realizes that like oh like this the. Uh, kind of image I had like they had he had of me um before um and it's just kind of like that whole thing of like she like really discovers who she is um and that kind of also propels the relationship which I think Christina does really well Absolutely. That's something she did also in I Want to Be Where You Are and what I'm really enjoying about having read these books pretty close together um, Mm -hmm. is that I feel like we're really getting a sense of of her writing style. Her writing style is already really clear. Uh, And it's not, this does not feel like the same book in any way. Um, But Mm -hmm. the more we talk about it, the more I'm kind of like, oh yeah, this is something she does really well. And it's cool to see an author with such a strong personal voice from the debut. Um, like we get the sense that she is the writer that she is and that's that's really strong um, but in I Want to Be Where You Are you also had Chloe kind of learning to trust herself and learning to trust her choices and in Now That I've Found You we have uh, Evie learning it's not it's not the same journey it's not a like self-trust or a confidence journey it's kind of a like self-awareness journey as I think what you said Mm -hmm. um she's learning how to get outside of her own perception of herself 
and in that process learning how to like consider other people um, and one of the things that I really love about that, and I, I'm going to say this in vague terms because I don't want to have a spoiler, uh, but there's a mm-hmm. character who's like very much the bad guy in this book for a mm-hmm. long time and who hurts Evie very badly at the beginning and, you know, affects her career and affects her life. The point at which Evie gets a little more information about that and and gets to kind of confront that person and they talk it through I think is handled really really well and gives Evie the opportunity to kind of understand that not everything is about her and like even choices that affect her can be not about her which is such a valuable lesson and I think is a lesson we all learn as we grow up like that's like a very significant lesson of growing up of, of transitioning from being a teenager to being an adult is learning that not everything is about you even when like say you've been collateral in somebody's decision and that makes yeah. it a really powerful coming of age story now um I talked about Sarah Dessen at the beginning of this episode I talked about Sarah Dessen with you um on our chat preparing for this episode I this I, it's kind of perfect timing because I feel like we've kind of culturally gotten over Sarah Dessen. Like, like mm. I love her books and I'm always going to read her, her books. But I also feel like mm-hmm. there's there's kind of a point at which you've written 25 books um, and now we're going to pay attention mm-hmm. to other authors. And I am just delighted that Christina Forrest is coming in with this fresh new style. But like giving me exactly that flavor that I crave in the summer. <laughs> it's the same vibe. Um, yeah, I love that we both just sort of like texting each other and we're like, this is what we're going to bring up in the episode, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I knew kind of like going into it this time around because I'd read her first book that I was like, I know she can do this story, um, but I didn't realize how much of a strong sense of like, oh, this is what she's going to be doing if she kind of continues on this track of writing these rom-coms and she's going to do a fantastic job each time. Um, Cause you know, I like my, one of my favorite things about reading a book um, like this and like kind of getting into it that I've realized is like when an author understands a genre or a trope so well that they write it fantastically you know like I love like tropes even though like people are like oh there's like the predictability or like it's cliche or whatever um but like it's a kind of like comforting thing to me the same thing with like formulaic books it's like, I know what I'm going to get in the end, and that's okay. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I love that it's, like, going to be a love story. These two are going to end up together in the end. And, like, I'm here for the journey, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, not everything has to be predict- unpredictable, right? Like, we talk about comfort reads and comfort food and, like, a hallmark of comfort reads or comfort food or like comfort clothes is that you know what's coming. It's it's reliable in that way. And then you get to find out like, oh, but how does this brand make chocolate ice cream delicious, you know? Um, exactly. 
Now, I personally spent my entire undergraduate uh, (laughs) degree just looking at the sonnet form. So I'm like clearly not somebody who who wants to just get away from structures. I really like predictability in the art forms Mm -hmm. I consume. And the fun thing about a trope or a, a formula um for for a work of art a book a movie anything is that you get to see how they do it and honestly mm-hmm. like i don't do this anymore but i actually when we were in high school would read the last page of a book first i remember that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we'd be like how did we how do we get there okay how do we get there cuz that's the fun part for me is seeing how the author gets there now a funny thing about this reading experience is that I thought the book ended at first two chapters before it did. So <laughs> like when she gets on the plane mm. and leaves, I thought that was the final chapter. And I was like, this is a bold break with the formula. And I was also like <laughs> a little bit like, well, I guess it's bold, but like, where's my happy ending? <laughs> right. You can't just do that. And then I turned the page and was like, oh, okay. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> Yeah, um, another um, book this reminded me of was Marine Goose, Somewhere Only We Know. Another, just, oh my God, it, I love that book. <laughs> just another fantastic um, rom-com. Um, also like a very summary book. I think because of that ending too, you know, where it's like, it's not going to resolve like uh, when you think it's going to resolve, but then like it's still like kind of happily ever after or happy happy for now kind of thing the ending really is actually i hadn't made that connection but but the endings are very similar right yeah the storylines are very similar huh i hadn't made that yeah (laughs) well i was planning on rereading a maureen goo this week because i have a little break because i'm doing an interview next week instead of a book review so maybe i'll have to reread that one and do a little compare and contrast Mm -hmm. To your, like, Sarah Dessen um, comment, um, the feeling that I had was also, like, Sarah Dessen was one of those, uh, when, was one of those authors where you say, like, like an auto-buy or auto-read, where, like, every year if she comes up with a book, like, I'm gonna read that book, you know, um, no matter what. Um, and, like, it's some, it's, like, I think that's really special to have that, like, author in your mind of, like, I know what I'm getting. I know I'm going to like this book. Um, I know. And I'm really excited that there are like new YA authors out there who are kind of doing that same thing, um, but something for this day and age, you know? Um, So like, I think Christina Forrest is hopefully quickly going to be one of those authors. And like Maureen Gu is also one of those authors that, um, that have been, one of those um like auto buy auto read authors in one, my opinion 100 <laughs> percent. i mean you and i have very similar taste and that's one of the reasons i was excited to get you on the show because <laughs> now we get to just talk about the books i like um <laughs> we talk about the books i like a lot uh but it yeah absolutely maureen gu christina forrest they're they're authors who are taking 
that genre of the YA rom-com and and just keeping it relevant honestly um I love that they're both not white <laughs> like I love to yeah. be able to have auto buy authors who are women of color um mm-hmm. I love that that they really they really do push it like Sarah Dessen writes about teenagers in North Carolina and I feel like every YA romance when we were teenagers was in North Carolina did you get that feeling <laughs> or like some nondescript like suburban middle white middle class town right but not New England I felt like very no, not yeah like very specifically mm-hmm. like like south of Pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know um, I don't know why that is. I like mm-hmm. but I really got that sense. So I'm glad that YA is starting to explore some other places, like with Maureen Gu, you know, Hong Kong and yeah. Seattle. And now Christina Forrest has been pretty much like the California coast and New York, which is maybe maybe less like thrilling than Hong Kong, but still pretty cool. I still think about <laughs> I still think about the food in Maureen Goo's books every single day. Oh, absolutely. Daily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the I think uh the setting of New York um and just this is another thing that um I noticed about the book um which I loved what's was the whole like going from one place to another place to another place. Uh, the locations are like super important in this book and like the 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 like the idea of just traveling around New York and visiting location after location and like mapping that out I thought that was really well done and um kind of like a great way to just like engage the reader in the book you know absolutely yeah. and that's that's something she did in I want to be where you are as well with the uh, oh, yeah. with the road trip um she mm-hmm. uses kind of physical movement to mirror emotional development in a way that's yeah. really effective and fun to read i'm at this funny place uh i have really not spent time in new york but at this point mm-hmm. i feel like i've read so many books about traveling around new york <laughs> that I'm very curious what it's going to be like. I we were like we were going to go this summer and now we're not going anywhere this summer. And and now I'm just like I really wonder what it's going to be like when I finally get to New York. If I'm just going to be like, "Oh, this was in now that I've found you." <laughs> I'm going to go on a little like this was yeah. in Pride. I'm going to go on a like YA book tour <laughs> of New York oh, City. Yeah, totally. Um <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, to be honest, though, I love reading about New York in books and like being there for like maybe an hour. And I quickly am overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like when you're from Boston, also, you're like not really you're not really allowed like 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 you know like like you know you're not really allowed to like New York you're not really supposed to like New York when you're from Boston um yeah I always say that like I could never live in New York I will visit but I will never live there 
I have I have also always said that, but now my kid is obsessed with the Central Park Zoo, and oh. my partner is really like fascinated with New York and likes New York. So mm-hmm. I I am at this place where I'm like I have to acknowledge that perhaps at some point if we are given the opportunity to live there, we will have to, uh, or my <laughs> family will turn on me. So. Great book. I want to actually mm-hmm. talk about Milo for a second, Milo's character. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really like that is part of Evie's journey of kind of getting outside of her own head is when they go out together and she's been doing her best to hide from the paparazzi because she, you know, doesn't want the attention, doesn't want the attention. Mm. She's embarrassed. And people are staring and whispering and she's like, oh, shit, they figured it out. And then it turns out they want oh Milo's God. autograph. Yes, I love that moment in that book. <laughs> Such a good moment. That is a little yeah. bit spoilery, but I feel like not majorly spoilery. Um, um, yeah, Milo is hot shit. Can I say that? I have such a crush on Milo to an extent that I did not. I did not have a crush like this from I Want to Be Where You Are. Milo is like hitting points for me. There's something about the like musician who I mean, lives in Brooklyn and yeah, he's it's the, mu- the musician <sighs> thing and like also competent right like it's not just that like oh he's like so like I feel like books that I've read before it's like if you're a teenage musician you're also kind of like I don't know <laughs> like super moody and like like I mean too cool for this world kind of thing but, or like, you're I've Dexter. read that before like Dexter from Sarah Dessens, that's the other. Yeah, the, that's the other kind. Oh, You're yeah. like kind of irresponsible, and you live in a van. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's not Milo. Like he's super like competent and like you know like he's nice. <laughs> well, somebody has a crush. <laughs> um, yeah, it hits. It hits the whole like um, yeah teenage musician crush kind of thing you know oh oh 100% I'm right there with you he is hot (laughs) he's like as Caddy would say he can get it um (laughs) he gave me like like I kept thinking of like young Jadena vibes like Jadena sometimes posts photos from early in his career um Mm. and I just have a massive crush massive well-documented crush on Jadena although Milo like physically is does not look the same from description but you know let me let me dream yeah so like finding that he is already on a successful trajectory and and that really challenges Evie's first assumption about him which is kind of that he's like a a deadbeat moocher um Mm -hmm. and then she has to acknowledge that he's talented and driven and building a career and like just because you're looking for a break doesn't mean you haven't like worked for that break and I also love it when like I love it when an author has kind of a cumulative moment where their protagonist is actually in the wrong at least partly Mm -hmm. like the big kind of climactic moment which again I don't want to get too spoilery for but like the big climactic moment it's a problem of communication It's a communication breakdown problem. It's not a problem of somebody being a huge, you know, terrible monster or endlessly betraying somebody else. It's just, you know, they haven't known each other that long. It's like that thing that can happen a lot when you meet somebody and you, like, get along really well, really fast. But, like, when it comes down to it, you haven't known them that long. So you don't actually know all of everybody's secrets. 
and you can yeah. learn something and it can feel like a huge betrayal but you kind of mm-hmm. have to process that and realize like where where the betrayal is and where it just feels like it um and there's lots mm-hmm. of very mature emotional soul seeking and then mature communication and that's really great uh, yeah i love that also the thing about their relationship is that because they're so different he does a great job of kind of like dragging Evie out of herself um, and like kind of surprising her at each turn. And I think that works so well for that story. It makes, I don't know, it makes a lot, it makes a like whole, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like super engaging, super like, ah, like you, you like want to like them to work out. You want them to work out so much because you're like you guys are good for each other and bringing those things out of each other um but yeah that's how I felt about um just like the things that he like I'm like losing words um <laughs> the things the that he, <laughs> 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 you know like the way that he helps her be like spontaneous um or like she's bring that out of herself because I think Evie is already a spontaneous person but I think he like helps her to like be that person um in the context of like I know this thing happened um with your career and you're like hurting from it I don't know if that's too much to give away but um but then I'm gonna kind of like help you like process that bring you out of that um by like showing you that you know maybe you really shouldn't dwell on that yeah I was realizing actually because we were talking about tropes earlier there is a literary trope of like the girl who's been kind of sheltered comes to New York City and becomes less sheltered and yeah. specifically a guy who's from New York City kind of shows her around New York City and expands her horizons. And I hadn't <laughs> thought of that trope because the way that this book writes that trope, because it does write that trope, that is kind of the storyline in it, is so far from the kind of like disempowered, wide-eyed ingenue that we see a lot. Like I'm, I'm thinking now of like Rachel Berry going to New York for the first time and like meeting the guy who turned out to be a gigolo and then she got really judgy. But like in this one, you you kind of don't get the sense of Evie being sheltered at first because she is at the same time a savvy businesswoman who knows what she wants and knows her own mm-hmm. talent and just also needs to broaden her sphere a little bit. And Milo doesn't think of himself as sort of the big man of New York showing her around. He's just trying to do his friend a favor and and help Evie out for a little bit and that's such a fresh take and such a like needed fresh take on that trope everybody is empowered nobody's like it's not like he's showing her how to know herself it's just that like they're both kind of helping each other grow which is how healthy relationships work yeah yeah I love that it's like there's this we can cut this out if it's too much of a spoiler, but um, there's this, I, I just think there's this great moment in the book where they are eating at a diner 
And the thing that he introduces to her is dipping French fries in a milkshake. And that, I feel like, is just so telling of their relationship. It's just, like, something, like, really silly, but it works so well with, um, like, how their relationship was developing. Um, And and I feel like that's such an L.A.-New York split, too. It's just so, yeah, it's just so silly, but, like, super cute and super, like, um, I think they also say it, like, mirrors kind of, like, what we're talking about, the relationship her grandmother has with um, one of her um, rom-com co-stars, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but 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 Eunice, I have an important question for you, which is do you dip fries in your milkshake? Is that something you do? Uh, ab- absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> That's something absolutely. my sisters and I used to like take road trips, we would like go to the beach or whatever and we would always get fries in a milkshake and like it's for me it's very much like road trip food. Mm, yeah. It's good, people. Try it. It's delicious. Oh, definitely. It's the savory and the sweet, and it just works so well. Even if it's like a McDonald's like milkshake and fries, like it works. I would argue that McDonald's <laughs> milkshakes and fries actually work really well for it, and I don't usually like McDonald's fries. <laughs> it's it just does. It's amazing. It works, just like yeah. Milo and Evie. I feel like we should talk a little bit about um, her grandmother. For so. sure. Let's talk about Evie's grandmother, because that is a a really important um, part of the story. I like that she calls her grandmother Gigi, because uh, my children called my grandmother Gigi Mm. at her request. So that was a nice, Mm -hmm. that was a nice moment. Yeah, uh, I think that's really, this is like something that, um, about this book that like, I thought was like, not really that relatable, but then... Um, just like having a superstar grandmother, right? And like, um, and then at the beginning of the story, I feel like Evie's already kind of like on that trajectory. Um, so she's not like, um, like she's at the beginning of her career, but I feel like she has to kind of grapple with the fact, like her thing is not that whether she's like, competent or whatever um but it's more that like she has to grapple with the fact that um like following in her grandmother's footsteps you know um and I think I really like the relationship that she has with her grandmother um especially because like it seems like she hung out with her a lot more than her parents who are kind of always busy off doing their like documentary lifestyle thing yeah one of the things that I really like about this book actually is the the intergenerational family and also the intergenerational like career paths like all of her family is in film in one way or another but her parents Mm -hmm. are documentarians they're not like movie stars like her grandmother Mm -hmm. and it's kind of fun that she's not sort of following in a like acting dynasty like she did actually have the freedom to figure out her what she wanted her parents actually kind of resisted her becoming an actor and it's it's nice to see that dynamic there and just to see a, a little bit of a fresh 
take on family like a girl who's who's raised partly by her grandmother and partly by her parents and because her parents have an important career and that choice just being valid and her having been raised pretty much unscathed just a little bit socially awkward uh Mm -hmm. which you know as somebody who's homeschooled till grade grade six five I can have some sympathy for that feels more vulnerable (laughs) this week because you knew me in grade six (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean I think the 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 sure the grandmother being a superstar isn't relatable necessarily but I did find the relationship with her grandmother relatable not maybe not relatable because it's not a relationship I had in my life but like it felt real And I do think there's something really kind of special about how her parents, who maybe spent less time, less one-on-one time with her as a kid, are way more protective of her than Gigi, Mm -hmm. um, who is kind of just like, no, you're going to be okay. I know you can do this. And that's also a fun note on just kind of like different styles of parenting, but also like Gigi really knows her and really knows that Mm -hmm. she will be okay and that she can take care of herself. (laughs) Now... I'm not totally sure how I would feel if my child went to visit their grandparent and then I found out that their grandparent just disappeared. Right. Uh, <laughs> I would probably be pretty upset. <laughs> but it's just nice to see everybody being human and making choices. And then those choices mm-hmm. have consequences. And it's just, it's real. It's the way it's the way the world works. Gigi is fantastic and reminds me slightly of my grandmother who... Uh, was a professional singer and mm. was always very well-dressed and very glamorous and uh, very, like, eager to to talk about your future and sort of give you pointers and suggestions and always had, like, very well-coordinated jewelry and outfits and stuff. It was fun. Yeah, I did really like that <laughs> that Evie, like, raids her closet. Oh, that closet. <laughs> and then, like, yeah. <laughs> And I just thought that must have been so much fun to write and just be like, I'm going to put on this and then go out into the world. Can you imagine having a movie star's 40 year collection of clothes to just browse? (laughs) It's the life. Cool. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, This is... Now That I've Found You by Christina Forrest. It's her second book. We're really excited for more books from her. Uh, It's great. It'll be out August 25th, 2020. So make sure you pre-order that now because you're going to want to have it. Get Get your last week of summer reading in. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually. I'm at Teffer Bear. And I am not on Twitter. <laughs> but, uh, but you can follow Eunice on Instagram at the unicorn reads a book. That's unicorn with an E at the beginning. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. And you also help us pay our editor, work on getting uh, transcription services, buy books, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stitchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, and Chantal Thomas. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some of the fine folks over at Key Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. 
subscribing to us on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who really needs some summer reading, or a friend who loves Maureen Goo, or a friend who loves Sarah Dessen, or a friend who just needs a good book. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song, Jenny's Groove, as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian, that's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing, pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingonthefly.podcast.wordpress.com.